It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford. Adam the Bull. Garrett Bush. And so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. Indeed, we have a rebel in the house today. Oh, yeah, I'm going Who's to... wearing the ball cap? I'm doing this. <laughs> Steve, I love you, but I just had to wear it. I just, I couldn't resist. The hat is too good. That is a look fresh new look. Well, he did say he was going bald right, and had to I'm, hide yeah, the bald I'm, spot. Yeah. So, yeah. it's a little bit of a cover-up, but I, I respect it, Tyus. It's a good hat. Thanks. So, I, I want, next one. year, I want all whites with red sleeves. Yes. I would do that. And that, 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 that hat would look right good. there. It's a good-looking hat. I That's think a they, really they earned it. They earned the have some good uniforms that we could be excited about. Absolutely. Hey, welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. As we start, it's not very often that someone turns 100 years old. Very infrequent. 100 years ago today, our director Steve's lovely mother, Dorothy, graced this earth with her magnificent presence. We want to say happy 100th to Dorothy. There she is. Now, Steve, has she ever watched our program? Is she familiar with what we do? everything I know about sports. <laughs> she taught you everything you know about sports. That's awesome. Dorothy That's and, a great answer, Dorothy Steve. Dorothy and Tyvis. So, happy birthday, Dorothy. Sweet Dorothy, 100 years. That's incredible. A um, couple of notes before we start. G. Bush, still ill. Upper respiratory. By the way, that's really going around. It's RSV. I don't know if that's exactly oh, yeah. what he has, but that upper respiratory is going around big time. And big Earl, time. Earl has it too, so it's... Earl has it Earl as has well. It, yeah. Bull is home. He's on the mend. Bull, good morning to you, my friend. I think he's on One the One second. Mend. Is he What's on that? the mend? There he is. Good morning, Bull. Yeah. Good morning. I, You know, I didn't say it yesterday for whatever reason, but I, I'll, I'll say today that I did test positive for COVID this week for the first time. And wow. I... I yeah, I haven't. It didn't hit me that bad. I mean, I, I was I was feeling kind of crappy over the weekend, but I tested negative, tested negative, uh, and then by by uh, Monday I had tested positive. So that's wow. why I've been out of studio, even though I do feel significantly better. I mean, at this point it's just a minor cold, but yeah, I'm doing okay. I went through it as well. I finally um, got, got thing. hit by it with two and yeah. a half years. Yeah, I, I didn't get it until July, and same thing. Uh, it, it got me like a cold. I was really tired. Yeah. Headaches, that kind of thing. Well, I'm glad you're. Did your wife better. get it? She did. Jay, did your wife get it? Y- yes, she did. I got it from her. Believe it or <laughs> that's not. That's funny because that's somehow happened, that's what happened to me. <laughs> the, amazing. The most bizarre thing. My wife's been sick. Like the reason I didn't think I had COVID at first was because my son had a cold. We tested him. He kept testing negative. My wife then got sick. We kept testing her. She was negative. So then when I got it, I just assumed it was a cold. Because they kept testing negative. Finally, I tested, and then I tested positive on Monday. So, but they, yeah. as far as we know, they still, they we went for the the, the what do you call it test the PCR, the PCR P- test, yeah, yeah, just to be sure. And, and they, they were still negative on the PCR negative. too, huh? Yeah, 
Yeah. So well, my wife and I right now are sleeping test. in different rooms. Yeah, we did that for a while, too. It it did work because I ended up still catching COVID (laughs) from my wife. I was quarantining for like three or four days. Same thing. We both kept testing negative. Then she finally tested positive after like four negative tests. And then a couple days later, I finally tested positive. But I was negative forever, too. And it's it's a weird thing. Anyhow, I hope you feel better. Busy show today. Busy, busy show today. Tim Couch coming up a little later. Coach Tyvis is in the building. Hey. By the way, fresh Cavs sweatshirt. Very nice. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. it's the game day, like so, you know, I had to come in and represent. Yeah, you know, very nice. Look. playing the Kings. Who knew? Yeah, I know. We <laughs> Someone here on the staff. Not you, Mike. Playing the Warriors. No, Mike. Not yeah. you. Mike thought they were playing the Warriors. So, in our rundown this morning, we have all of this stuff we're talking about. Do we still hate the Warriors? Is the Cavs backcourt now finally better than the Warriors back? Save all that until Friday. Thursday or Thursday Friday. Or Friday. No, I, I was convinced. I was honest to God convinced that they were playing the Warriors tonight until I checked the schedule this morning to do my prep. Once I found out, I was filling in for G. Bush yeah. to get like my personal prep ready. They're playing on Friday. I just had them backwards. I could have sworn they played the Kings Friday. But hey, it happens. Hey, it Mike, thanks. Thanks for confirming you don't listen to my podcast. I appreciate that since I talked about the upcoming game this you know this Friday with the Warriors like for seven minutes yesterday. Well, yeah, we, it, we, we put that schedule on screen that Anthony makes every morning of their next game. I've seen it a hundred mm. times and listen. Mm. It's up to the cracks. It's I, okay. have, I have enough mm. stuff to back up that one mistake today that by one o'clock <laughs> I will have completely made up for my I hope so. I hope so. Because we're looking at you. We're looking at you funny right now. I'm in the hot seat. I'm in the middle. Um, So, Tim Couch, Tyvis is going to break down some plays. What do you got for us today? What are you breaking down? I got two plays that I seen in the Jets game that they're going to run. Miami's run. Talking about the Dolphins. Yes, the Dolphins are going to run against because you have to look at that game because the Jets run the same defense as the Browns. Right. You have to see what works. And there's one particular play. The first one I'm going to draw up is kind of tricky. And yeah. they're, they're going to have to really talk about this one. Okay. They come at you with two of the best wide receivers in football. Yeah. Um, I think it just proves Waddle, we know, is a top-tier receiver. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, and we'll talk about this later, I think that Tyree Kill might be, he probably won't win, but might be the most valuable player in the game today because of his impact on everybody around him. He's turned Waddle into a – Waddle is just yards from being – number three in the league in yeah. receiving yards. Yeah. He's turned Tua, a guy who was fighting for his career, into what most people think now is a top-tier quarterback. And I know it's a stretch, and I know it's not conventional wisdom, but Tyreek Hill's going to rewrite the wide receiver record book this year. Yeah. And for me, for my money, at mm. this point in the season, he's, he's the most valuable player. It's and we'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. Also, um, I mentioned Tim Couch. Top five celebrations. We've been trying to do that for a while. Two days now. Got pushed back. We are doing it today. I promise you. I thought I knew which one was number one. It was the best one over last weekend. Yes. But you're telling me that's, that number, that's, two. that's number two. That's number I two. I want to see the one that beats it. Oh, I, I know which one you're talking about. The bowling. Yes. That was That yeah, one was that's great. Number <laughs> that is fire. I, I looked at that right on now. Twitter like, wow. That's number two. All right. So there's one that's... Head and shoulders better than that that slipped up I, through our radar? I think so. Anthony agrees. Early agrees. The, the, my a, vote was it, number one. Yeah. Wow. Is the, remember, is the remember the Titans celebration in there that, that happened this weekend? They did? Who did that? Who did that? I didn't see it. I can't even remember now, but I know somebody did it. It might have been the Bengals. Well, but I, or, I bet it's not in there because none of us know what you're talking yeah, about. It's <laughs> not in there. <laughs> what did they, wait, what did they do, boo? What was the celebration? Remember that? Remember it? Did you see? Remember the Titans? Yes, I, I remember the Titans. Did I see? My father played it. My father's the lead actor in there. Yeah, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So remember the scene. Remember the t- the scene where they go to Denzel Washington and like, Coach, we're gonna warm up a little differently today. Yeah. And then they go out and like kind of do that dance. Yeah. I think it was the Bengals, but I'm not. I don't remember for sure. What <coughs> team did that dance as a touchdown oh. celebration? Well, well, we'll have to look. Although at that. it maybe it wasn't a touchdown celebration. Maybe it was an interception. I don't know. I don't. But I, somebody did that celebration this week. It might have been an interception because I think that some of the more Creative celebrations now are by the defense yeah. after interceptions. Yes. There's a DB on the list. We have we don't okay, have a lot good. Of, we don't DB get a lot of chances to celebrate. No, I know so you we don't. do. We have to go. And all you all out. have that inferiority complex too. <laughs> you all know that if you had better hands, yeah. you wide receivers. We got to go all out. I mean, that, the bowler one, Harrison Smith. That was yeah. There's some good ones this year. Man. Uh, also, I'm excited about this because I finally get a chance to put the belt back on. True or false? Whoa, we're doing true. Yeah, that's what right. Are you, what are you I'm talking? Coming about? for you. I am coming for you. Jay, you haven't won since the knob. I'm not worried about <laughs> since you. Since the knob. And for the record, I am G. Bush in uh, True and False. He sent us the answers this morning. Oh. We called him. So you're had, just going to give his answers? I'm just going to give G. Bush his okay, answers. Okay, that's very good. You, you and, accept, and by the way, minute, guys. Minute, you accept that? Yes, I do accept that. That's wow. fine. Fine with me. <laughs> okay. By the way, guys, Mike calls me up this morning and says, Bull, why don't you give me your true and false answers real quick now? I said, why should, you, why should I give them to you now? I'm on the show today. I know I'm on remote, so it's a little tricky. But he's like, well, we don't want people to think you're cheating. And I said, I don't give a crap what people think. I think cheat. I think cheaters are scumbags, and I would never cheat. I've never cheated in anything in my life. I don't believe in cheating. I think you're a freaking loser if you cheat in anything, and so I don't cheat. And so Very if anybody good. accuses me of cheating, they're wrong, so you know, I'm not cheating. That's you know, good. You, that's good enough for me. You know what that's I'm going to say? You know, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going I'm to do my best Brad Sellers impersonation. That's some BS that's a, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Tyvis, you're out of line. I defended you when you were accused of cheating. He did. I he won't did. say who accused you of cheating, did. but I defended yeah. you. I'll I'm fall not, on the I, sword, Bull. I did originally, and then I apologized and said I was No, Bull, wrong. I know you're not going to cheat. I can't attack you. Don't you, don't cheat. Like you can't cheat because you don't know who the player is. So, therefore, I have I no idea. About it. Yeah, no clue. All right. Very good. So, let's dive in, and we do this every week before the Browns game. We match up our offense with our opponent's defense. We did that yesterday. Today, we're looking at the matchup of Miami's offense <coughs> versus the Browns' defense. And just for context, here are some numbers. Points per game, Miami, 10th in the league. Mm-hmm. Points allowed per game, the Browns, 24th in the league. Not mm-hmm. a good matchup there. Yards per game, same story, really. Miami is 5th in the league in total yards per game. The Browns, middle of the pack, stopping the, uh, the opponent, 15th in the league. This is where it gets interesting. Passing yards per game, the Dolphins are second, only to Kansas City. Passing defense, yards allowed, passing yards allowed per game, the Browns, 15th. Running yards per game, the Dolphins are 29th in the league. They do not come at you with much of a run game. Yeah. The Browns stopping the run, not very good against it. 22nd in the league when it comes to stopping the run. When you put all those numbers into the blender... Tyvis, I'll let you start here. What do you make of this matchup, Miami's offense against the Browns' defense? Well, I'm going to tell you like this, Jay. It's one of those matchups where you've seen how the last time the Browns played against the Bengals, they decided to go, instead of having Perrion Winfrey, they set him down, had Isaac Rochelle because they wanted that extra pass rush guy. Right. I think they have to use that same type of recipe because... If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You think of their wide receivers, you think of our DBs. On paper, at the beginning of this season, we're like, oh, Denzel Ward is great. G News coming to his own. And we've got uh, either AJ, Greedy, whoever you want to put in at the nickel position. We're, we're, right. We look really good in the secondary. And as this season has went on, you know, they've been up and down in games. Sure. Denzel Ward coming back, he needs to be healthy for this game. This is one of those games that we've paid him this money. This is a game why we paid him that money. So he can match up against somebody like Tyreek Hill. Right. However, I would say he's not the key factor. The key factor into this game will be the pass rush because Miami's, the way that they run their offense, which I'm going to draw up later, they run their route so deep that if we're running zone, our coverage has to drop back to accommodate for how deep these routes are. And that so, takes time so to now unfold. The, right. So now the pass rush has to get there because if it doesn't, the check down is what's going to be wide open. And since all the defenders are all the way down the field, the check down is going to get you Are you advocating yards. more blitzing? Because earlier this week when he was on the show, Leroy, Leroy Horde said, do not blitz. I would blitz if, if I know that they're going to get home. If they're, if, if they're going to get home. Hey, of course you would. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no. you never blitz with the idea that you're not going to get home. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Are we a good blitz team is the question. We don't blitz much. When we do, is it effective? We the, tend to get home when okay. we bring extra guys. So I would. So you would do it. I would blitz. In in the right spots. You wouldn't be that yeah, wouldn't No, be no, no. I'm not, not I'm not coming in there every play blitzing. No. No. I, in the in certain spots I would blitz. Yes. All right. So I I agree with some parts of what Tyvis said. I disagree with a lot of what Tyvis said. And in that Cincinnati game without Jamar Chase, the Bengals went with a very short passing game. Sure. And that allowed the Browns secondary to play a lot closer to the line of scrimmage and kind of tackle them right after the catch, eliminate yards after catch. But what Miami does different than every other team in the league is they throw the ball downfield. Tyreek Hill doesn't just lead the league in average yards uh, run per route at four. That's the highest they've ever recorded in the NFL since they started tracking that in 2006. Jalen Waddle's third in the league. And when you look at some of these numbers, it's a little different with Hill and Waddle than it is with any other pair of receivers in the league based on speed. So... I did my research. Yeah, it looks like it. Let me, just run, let me just run some numbers out to you guys. Go on, to, put in context, like to put in context how ridiculous what Hill and Waddle are doing this year. Yeah. Tyreek Hill has 1,107 receiving yards. Insane. Now, he's on pace to break Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving record. He's on pace to go over 2,000. Yep. Now, people say, well, it's 17 games versus 16. How about this for a stat? Calvin Johnson in that season yeah. averaged 122.8 receiving yards per game. This is the apples-to-apples apples number. Tyreek Hill? 122.7. So wow. Exactly on pace. You know who's third on that list, by the way? Randy Moss? Josh Gordon. The year oh, oh, yeah. Well, he had a mammoth year. .6. When Tua is at quarterback, Tyreek Hill gets the ball on 38% of his pass attempts. Wow. That's 12% higher than any other single receiver gets targets in the league. It's, it's absurd at how frequently they target him. And even well, why more, wouldn't you? Nobody even can more cover impressive him. is where he's getting the most of his work. It's in the middle of the field. Hill and Waddle both run more routes, nine to nine to nineteen yards down in the middle, where they're crossing the seams in between the numbers, than any other receiver in the league. What do you make they're of that, one, Ty? They're Who? two, and Cooper Cup is three. And let's pull up the passing chart for Tua real quick. 
This is, I think, the key to what's going to happen here. If you take a look at this, 14 of 15 of Tua's passing touchdowns have been to the middle to the left. He does not throw to the right, which is, as a lefty, across his body to the opposite side of the field. Right. You would expect that to look like, the chart to look like that. But yeah. not that diverse. Not that strong where he's always throwing to his strong side. So I think if I'm the Browns' defense, I'm sending the house to the left, making him roll out to the right and try and throw across his body to that side. Because look at the numbers. I mean, Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, but I think, Tyvis, the reason I want you to talk to this, we, we know that with any left-handed quarterback. Sure. I mean, that's what you want to do with any left-handed quarterback. You want to get him away from his strength. It's like Correct. tennis. If a guy doesn't have a backhand, you're going to drive the backhand all day long. Can they do that? They could do that, but I don't think they need to send a blitz. This will be one of those games where you have to put – I will put Jadavion and Miles on the same side. On the, on the left side? Yeah, I'll put him on the left side. Right. To, to specifically to push see, him to the right. Exactly, to make him roll out to his spot. But what they'll do is, if that's the case, and they'll be like, you know what, let's just throw jailbreaks to the other side because if their best pass rusher is on this side, we're just going to work this side. So it, it's one of those things that I get it. it you, you know what, you need to go – uh, be in the Browns front office because you're into this analytics. I love numbers. Yeah, you're yeah, into I this like analytic numbers. things, but in the over the course of a game, Mike McDaniels is going to figure out, oh, snap, they're doing this, so let's just go ahead and adjust, which then Joe Woods will have to counter with some type of adjustment as well. Like I say, it's all about the pass rush this game. Yeah. If that pass rush gets home, I think you have to keep it balanced. If Miles is going to be on that side, all they're going to do is chip him or whatever. They're going to get the protection they need. Whether that's like Leroy was saying, we just gonna bring in an extra guy. We gotta put Gesicki right there to to chip Miles just to get that extra time. We'll do so. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be that effective. Well, what do you make of all this? Yeah, I, I agree a lot of what Tyva said, but Mike also made a good point. Um, Tua is averaging over nine yards per pass attempt. I don't know if you had that stat, Mike. You had so many stats, I can't remember. I didn't Tua's averaging over. Also, yeah, uh, it was. In uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, most yards per pass thrown, right? So, like, how how what's his average in the air, essentially? And he's number one in the league, whereas Joe Burrow, who the comparison was, is number eight. Not that that's that low, but still, it's it is a significant difference. And two is number one by a lot. However, the Dolphins' offensive line is definitely not great. So, I do think the Browns had success last week because the Bengals don't have a good offensive line. And yeah, they, they they did try to throw the ball short, but that was only because they had no, they couldn't protect Burrow. So really, they they had to get rid of it quickly. So I think if the if the Browns can get some pressure on Tua by blitzing or and being a little unpredictable, because until last week the Browns' pass rush has been predictable, then I think they can make things happen. However, the danger of that, of course, is if you don't get home, you're in big trouble because. And nobody, you know, we could talk all day about who should guard Tyreek Hill. Ultimately, in a one-on-one matchup, if given time, Tyreek Hill is eventually going to come open. Mm -hmm. So if you are creative in blitz, which I think they should be, you have to get home. If you don't, that's when they hit you with those big plays. That's when it's happened all year. But I I don't think you you should totally give up on doing it and be scared to do it just because if you don't get there, you're gonna. It's gonna be a, a potentially a disaster. Yeah, it's so it's, it's high it's risk, high call. reward. Uh, right. it's high risk, high reward. When you send a lot of extra guys, you know one thing, and, and it's not like it's just any offense. You know that the best receiver in football is going to eventually become open. Mm-hmm. He just runs. He runs routes to, and gets open. That's what he does. 
Um, two things. For whatever reason, it takes Joe Woods seven or eight weeks to figure out what the hell he's doing. <laughs> um, we look back to last year. It was Jekyll and Hyde. It was, it was the absolute – one of the worst defenses in the NFL the first half of the year. And then it was like he found this magic switch in the dark. And just like that, the Browns became a top-five defense. I believe he's doing the same thing this year. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Maybe he's studying his personnel. He's figuring out what he has, who, where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are. But I hope last week wasn't an aberration. That's my hope. I hope that what we saw last week out of the Browns' defense is what we're going to see the rest of the year. Yeah. If we see that same defense that does blitz occasionally and gets home when they do so. That's what I'm saying. I think the Browns will win this football game. I, I think it all comes down to one thing, to be honest, is Denzel Ward in uniform. I agree with that, too. If he's in street clothes, <coughs> this is a hard L. Yeah. And I don't think there's any other way to slice this. I don't see how the Browns' defense I, – I think that had the Bengals had Chase, they it would have been an entirely different football game. I agree. But them losing Chase and Denzel not being there was sort of a wash. Mm-hmm. If Denzel isn't on the football field, I just don't like their chances. If I, he plays, I think they win. I agree with that, but that's not – you're you're right. But I'm not going to say that he's 100% the guy. The guy that, that needs to have a big game, in my personal opinion, is still Jadavion Clowning, and I'm going to tell you why. I had this argument with a buddy of mine about – his career, Jadavion's career. Yeah. Technically, you, you drop or no? I'm not. Okay. Not. Okay. And when he said it, I was I was taken back by it. He said that Jadavion, and I mean no disrespect. Actually, I'm not the one that said it, so it doesn't matter. But he said that Jadavion Clowney could, could really be considered a bust. If you look at his stats from his career, his most productive season, he had nine and a half sacks. Right. Houston, he was not the number one DN. J.J. Watt was. Absolutely right. His next productive team was the Cleveland Browns. He's not the number one DN. Miles Garrett. But, so so this guy is getting a lot of single coverage, and he's not that becoming was, really That was good. an argument I used to hear a lot with Simeon Rice when he played with Warren Sapp in Tampa. So, well, you know, he's the anyway, benefactor he's, of well, another. Warren's in the middle. Like, eh, no, I know, but it's, but another, guys, it's I, another elite pass rusher. Yeah. I, I, but I don't I don't agree with that. I would never classify Jadavian Clowney as a bust. That's what I Jay, I agree with you. Okay. Jay, I agree with you. To me, because to me, a bust is Jamarcus Russell. That's Ryan Leaf. Yep. You know what a it's bust when a guy like. is. <laughs> you know right. what one looks like. Now, <laughs> Jadavi, I think it's fair to say Jadavion was not worth the first overall pick in the draft. He's not. That's fair. If you're the first pick in the draft, you should be a Hall of Famer. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. But he's right. a good. He's not a great NFL player. He's a very good NFL player. He he's not a great pass rusher. I think that we know he is. If you look at the way he he he. Uh, performs against the run, he's consistently been one of the best defensive ends against the run in his entire yes. career, and that has continued. So he's a good player, not a great player. To me, a bust is a guy who's a high pick and is out of the league or completely sucks. Yeah, and that's not the case with yeah. Clowney. Bust yeah. is just way too strong. That's why I said yeah. bust. Yeah, too too I was strong. Like, I was he's bu- also been hurt a ton in his career. So yeah, never he has. Yes. But, like that, but listen, when you're deciding bust or not, you have to factor yeah. that in. And yes. in his case, I, I in his case, I, I, Bull's absolutely right. Did he live up to the hype of being the top pick in the draft? Absolutely not. No question. Is he a bust? No. He's still in the league. Mm-hmm. He's been a productive player. Yes, he's played with some other really good players. 
but a lot of great players have. So I, I think that, look, if he has, if he plays the way he can play, this defense should be a top five defense. Correct, and that's what I, that's what I was leading to. Right. So, so on Sunday when they play, Miles is obviously they're they're going to have to compensate for Miles. Yes. He has to get the one on one, and he has to win. He has to win those matchups and really cause havoc back there for Tua. And that's I think that helps the pass team because you because Bulls right. You're not about to cover Tyreek Hill for for ten seconds. Like no, you gotta limit you gotta limit the time Tua has the ball and the time he has to get rid of the ball. It should be four seconds at the absolute max. Right. Because when you're dealing with these receivers, that's all they really need anyway. Bull, who's the key player in the game? for the Browns defensively, in your view? Uh, Is it Denzel? I would say – I just want to think about that for a second. Um, I'm going to – I'll give you somebody else, a guy who played really well last week, Sione Takitaki. He did play well. I thought, he had a, I thought he had a major impact on the game last week. And I think, you know, Denzel Ward – I think stopping Tyreek Hill is a team effort. I don't think one guy can do that by himself. I think it's a team effort to stop these guys because the Dolphins are a weird team. They have these two great receivers, and then all their other skill position players are at best average. There's, you know, their running backs are nothing. Their tight end's just a guy. The rest of their receivers are nothing. So there's two great players. We've talked a lot about this team, Jay, the Browns, being a, a studs and duds type of team. That's what the Dolphins' skill positions are, studs and duds to me. So yeah, I agree with that. Can you team effort these two great receivers and just slow them down? You can't stop. Mm-hmm. You're not completely going to shut them out. But if you can slow them down a little bit as a team, and I, I think Sione Takitaki, a linebacker, just going out there and making plays. I know Tyvis has talked about this a lot. DeQuell's talked about this a lot. We need linebackers that are just going to go out and just make a play. Right. And Takitaki did that a bunch of times against Cincinnati, and I think he fired up the rest of the defense. When a linebacker's doing that, being disruptive, it makes a huge difference. And in a lot of ways, the Dolphins and Bengals are similar teams. They don't run the ball. They have a great, you know, obviously Burrow's better than Tua, but Tua's playing better than Burrow overall this season. Both have great receiving talent. They're very one-dimensional. And against the Browns have played three one-dimensional teams. And two of them, well, I, two, or three teams that, that haven't run the ball a lot. I say the Steelers are one-dimensional. They're kind of zero-dimensional. But they beat the Steelers who don't run it a lot, which sounds weird. They they beat the Bengals who don't run it a lot. They did lose to the Chargers. We all know that was a game they probably should have won, but they did lose. So the teams that don't run a lot, uh, ha, you know, have struggled offensively. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert did not have a great game against the Browns. For him, as good as he is. So he didn't play great against none of the quarterbacks – on the one-dimensional teams, even though the Chargers ran it well, they ran it the down quarterbacks on those one-dimensional teams did not have good games against the Browns. Yeah. And if that happens with two in this game, the Browns should be able to win because I think um, the Browns will be able to score. Tim Couch is, is on. We're going to bring him on in one second. Yeah, Before I'll we take do a break. that, I want your reaction to Taki Taki. I, when I watched him against the Bengals on Monday night, I literally thought I was looking at a different player. Mm-hmm. He looked like that impact playmaking linebacker that we have 
been thirsting yeah, for. And what was the difference to you? What are you seeing? Well, to me, is what I've literally been saying for the last few weeks. You know, I think that he's more in the box type of guy. See, Taki Taki is the guy who they're using as a Sam. And at that Sam position, that's the more athletic linebacker who can play out in space. I think for him, he's more effective in the box. He showed that last week. I think JOK would be the guy that would be better suited for the Sam because of how athletic he is. He's not the biggest guy and he can get around defenders and make those plays. Right. So I think him being in the box, he seemed very disciplined. His footwork was great and he didn't miss any tackles. He no, seemed, he was great. He seems super instinctual too. And sometimes that can bite a player in the ass and sometimes it leads to phenomenal performances like we saw against right. Cincinnati where he had 13 tackles. And no matter where the Bengals are running with the ball, Taki Taki was in the hole ready yeah. to make a play. And that's what you want. It does, of that guy. does scare me a little bit with that instinctual free-flowing <coughs> style against Miami, though, where there's so much motion pre-snap mm -hmm. with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, guys that you can't ignore in those pre-snap motions. Tyler Boyd goes in motion. Okay, you, have, you can have a step to catch up. Tyreek Hill goes in motion. You're you have gone. to go with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. You're going to be too slow on the outside. So he... I'm not saying he worries me going to this game, but I'm really curious to see if he can replicate what he did against Cincinnati. He's going to need against to. Against the team that's <laughs> yeah, window dressing I, a lot more. I'm interested Cincinnati to does. see where he plays. It, it, will they put him in the box or is JOK back now? Have you noticed that they're using him differently? Um, I noticed last game, obviously, because JOK wasn't there, but for the most part, he's been at Sam. And like yeah. I say, I, I, to me, I think he's more of a in-the-box linebacker. All right, very good. Uh, let's bring in Tim Couch now. We'll talk about some quarterback play. Tim, good to see you again. Um, your thoughts on the Browns defense trying to put a lid on this Dolphins offense, which really no one has been able to stop, particularly when two has been in there. They're 6-0 and when he's in there. And what they're doing with the passing game is second only to Kansas City in the league. What are you seeing when you watch this Miami passing attack? You know, Jay, it reminds me of the old, kind of like the old Rams team, the greatest show on turf. You oh, remember wow. those guys, Kurt <laughs> yeah. Warner and those, I mean, it's just, it's explosive plays all over the field. I mean, these guys, you know, Tua has, is, has stepped up to a whole other level that, you know, people were kind of questioning whether, you know, was he really going to be this good in the NFL? And now they've surrounded him with the type of weapons to go out there and be the player that he can be. And he's, he's really lighting it up. I'm so impressed with, first of all, how quickly he gets rid of the football. You know, if you watch him play, it's that back foot gets in the ground, and that ball's coming out. Like, he's not wasting any time. He's not back there holding it. He's processing information quickly. He's seeing the field, and he's getting the ball into the hands of his playmakers really quick, uh, really quickly and accurately, more important, so they can get the run after the catch. So they're, they're difficult to stop, man, when he's in there. They, they have a team full of playmakers, and, and they're lighting it up right now. Tim, it's, it's a chicken or the egg kind of question, but does a great receiver make an average quarterback better, or does a great quarterback make a – Average receiver better because we saw Tua before this season without Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It was he was okay, not great, and now this year obviously he's one of the two or three, statistically speaking, best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, you know I, I think it's always for a quarterback, especially at the level of, as the NFL. I think it's always going to be about who you have around you. You know you can be a great player, and if you have you know average talent surrounding you at the offensive line, the running back, the wide receivers. You're never going to be able to live up to your potential when you and you see guys really start to flourish in this league and take their game to another level. It's when they get the weapons around them, and you know, to us, uh, you know, you still have to go out and take advantage of it and and be prepared and and um, you know, go to the right place with the ball, be accurate, all those kind of things. 
But, you know, once you have the weapons around you, man, it makes the game so much easier uh, to go out there and play. You know, guys making plays all over the field. You trust guys to throw it down deep down the field that they're going to, you know, come up with the ball. If not, they're going to protect it and not let it be an interception. Uh, and then the run after the catch ability is phenomenal from these wide receivers as well. They have so much speed, um, you know, great vision after the catch, and they're, they're hard to get on the ground. So, uh, you know, I think it's always going to be about who you have around you as a quarterback because, you know, like I said, they, they can really hold you back as a player or they can really elevate your game to another level. And we've certainly seen that with Tua this year. Oh, Timothy, let me ask you this. So the Dolphins are going to go out there and they're going to sell out on the run game. And they're ultimately putting the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hand. And we know that the Dolphins passing defense is not particularly great. Do you think Jacoby Brissett actually has what it takes to go out there and win a game if it comes down to that after seeing what we've seen from so far from him this season? Well, I think he's capable of, of, you know, keeping you in a game. You know, I think he, he's shown so far this year that he's playing at a level that has really surprised me at times, especially early in games. You know, he's gotten into, you know, certain situations where, you know, the elite players really stand out, you know, the two-minute drills, uh, you know, those kind of things where, um, you know, you're asking him to go out and be great. Uh, he hasn't been really good in those situations, but when he's been out there managing games, he, I, th I think he's been accurate with the football. Uh, he's taking care of the football for the most part. Um, you know, I've been really impressed with Jacoby and the way he's throwing the ball. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of great opportunities. If they're going to load up on the run, which they should, uh, you know, he's going to have great opportunities on the outside with one-on-one -on -one coverages. And, uh, you know, he's just got to get the ball out and get it to these playmakers and, uh, and let them do their thing. But, uh, you know, I, I have confidence in Jacoby. I really do. I think, I think he's a guy that can uh, – he understands what he's doing. He's seeing the field well right now. And, uh, you know, he's just got to continue to do what he's been doing all season. So Jacoby Brissett has a guaranteed three games left as a starter. What, if you were in his shoes, what would go through your mind, you know, these next three weeks? Uh, probably just continue to, on the path that he's been on. You know, I think right now he's shown that he's, he's a good player in this league. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to be anybody's, you know, starter or whatever, but he certainly deserves to be on a roster and, you know, be somebody's backup. And he's certainly capable of showing, he's shown he's capable of coming in and winning football games. You know, he should have won a few more this year than, uh, than he has. You know, he's put the team in, in some really good situations. The defense has let him down in, in a few games, but you know, I think he just goes out and continues to do um, what he's doing, stay within himself and be the player that he has been so far this year. I think he's shown some really, really good things. I've been really impressed with him, and I know a lot of other people have as well. Tim, I, I don't know what the answer is on this Browns defensive side of the ball where they looked so bad last year in the first half. They looked so bad the first seven games of this season, and then all of a sudden – against the Bengals, a team now granted they were without chase, but it's a high powered offense. Cincinnati was as frustrated offensively as I've seen them this year. What off what defense are we getting the rest of the way? Are we getting the the second half defense from last year or the first half defense from last year and this year? What's going on? Uh, I think it's a great question, Jay. I think it remains to be seen. You know, they, they were so impressive, like you said, against Cincinnati. They, they really got after Burrow. Uh, they were getting pressure on him in the pocket. Uh, he just didn't feel comfortable the whole night. And, you know, which, you know, Burrow was playing at a really high level coming into that game. The previous, you know, four or five games, he was absolutely lighting it up. And, um, you know, he came, again, uh, came in against the Browns, and uh, they had a great game plan for him. Uh, they executed. Guys were playing at really high level. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, it's going to be another tough challenge for them this week on the road against uh, against a really high powered Dolphins offense. So hopefully they can have the same type of performance. I think we'll know a lot better 
uh, about which direction this defense is going to go after this game, uh, seeing them play against two really good quarterbacks in back-to-back weeks like this. And if they can have another performance like they did last week, then I'll feel pretty comfortable about, confident about this team going forward on that side of the ball. Boy, that's so true. I mean, if you think about it, if they can return to the form that they had the second half of last season, just play like they did against the Bengals the rest of the way. And I know that's a tall task. It is. But if they can do that, oh, and, then you, and then you get Deshaun Watson back, um, yeah. that you would then have, and it, I, my hope is it's not going to be too little too late yeah. because in typical Browns fashion, that might be the most frustrating thing that we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. if, if they come back and they get Watson back and they're five and six and Deshaun plays lights out, and they miss the playoffs by one game. It's good. Oh. You're going to go back to that Jets game. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the where they go. It's going to be the most <laughs> excruciating offseason ever because you don't have a draft to look forward to, yeah. and you don't have a playoff opportunity where <coughs> I, I think the Browns might be a team that nobody's going to want to see at the end of the year. I, I would agree with that. And, Tim, I have a question going off what Jay just said. We saw the Bengals come out this week. And absolutely destroy the Panthers. I think it was 42 or 35 nothing before they scored. Is there a chance that the Browns defense, although it looked phenomenal against Cincinnati, it was also kind of Cincinnati trying to figure out how to play without Chase, and they got that experience and then came in next week. So I'm not trying to overreact to what we saw from the Browns defense because for the first seven weeks, it wasn't great. It was great in week eight. So I'm just trying to figure out how to properly gauge what we saw and put it in the right context moving forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. You know, I think Cincinnati obviously had to adjust their game plan, you know, without their star uh, wide receiver out there. And, you know, Burrow is so used to going to him in clutch situations. And when that guy's not out there, it really changes things. But I really think the Browns, you know, from, from what I saw just looking at it on TV, it looked really impressive to me. I saw guys in position, in the right position, where we saw them out of position so much earlier in the season. I saw guys taking the right pursuit angles. I saw guys being better tacklers. I saw better coverage. I saw more pressure on a quarterback. All the things that you want to see from a really good defense, I saw that. So I, I would have to, you know, think it was more about what the Browns were doing than what Cincinnati was trying to adjust to. But, um, you know, like I said, this this, this week is, uh, is going to be another huge test. And I can't wait to see this defense go against a high-powered offense like Miami. And let's, uh, you know, we'll figure out where, where we're at after this week. So quarterback's perspective, I'm really anxious to get your take on this because there's been a bit of a split on our panel. Leroy Horde on earlier in the week said, do not blitz Tua. But Tyvis, on the other hand, said, look, you've got to decrease his time to throw the football because the longer he has to throw the football, the more likelihood that his receivers are going to get separation, particularly Hill. If you're Tua and you've got these two great quarter uh, wide receivers to throw to, are you waiting for the defense to blitz you, or are you hoping they don't? Yeah, you know, if I'm Tua looking at it from his perspective, I certainly want them to come after me because it's going to leave big play opportunities out there all over the field. You know, with these wide receivers, he has to feel like if you leave me one-on-one, I love my chances against whatever DB you're putting out there. Um, you know, but, you know, what, uh, you know, Tyvis is saying, you, you do have to get pressure on this guy. If you let him sit back there and you play a soft zone, he's going to pick you apart and, uh, you know, take what's underneath uh, the easy throws and all that. So you do have to mix it up. I think, in my opinion, you can't just say we're going to come after this guy every, every snap because he's going to have too many big play opportunities. But you do have to try and confuse him a little bit, roll coverages late, bring blitzes. Um, you know, where he's not expecting, um, you know, th- those kind of things just, just to try to get in his head because if he gets into a rhythm, and like I was talking about earlier, where he's been so good at 
getting the ball out quickly where that back foot hits the ground and the football's coming out, you got to make him think a little bit. You got to make him hesitate, get off that first read, try to get to the second and third read. And then by then, hopefully Miles Garrett and company are getting home and getting some pressure on him. So I think mixing it up is the way to go and uh, just trying to confuse him a little. So in that vein, Tim, who's more important in this game? A healthy Denzel Ward or Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney playing to the top of their abilities? Man, that's a tough question. You, you, you certainly want all these guys out there against a team like Miami. But, um, you know, I, I would probably have to say probably a healthy Denzel because, you know, you got a corner who's making as much money as Denzel is. You, you got to say, I, I, I got to put him out there on, you know, guys like Tyreek and, and these guys to see what he can do. So I, I would say him being out there and being healthy is going to be huge in this game. Tim, so going there, go ahead, take, take it back to the Browns offensive side of the ball. How do you, what is your ratio on Nick Chubb carries to, to Jacoby Brissett's passing in this game, given the fact that the Dolphins' pass defense is terrible? Right. You know, I, I would like to see them come out early in this game throwing the football just, just to loose them up. You, know, you might be yeah, the only you know, person think, in Cleveland that feels this way. <laughs> well, he's, well, he's in Kentucky. Oh, so, excuse yeah. me, in Kentucky. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but, but I do think, you know, early on, the Dolphins, obviously, their game plan is going to be to load up on the run. I think there's going to be some early opportunities to get some plays in the passing game, you know, especially on early downs, first and second down, play action quick throws, crossing routes, you know, um, you know, th those kind of throws, uh, check downs over the middle to the tight ends, you know, get getting the ball out, uh, some bootlegs and stuff like that. I think there's some opportunities early uh, to soften up the defense a little bit, kind of show them that, hey, we can throw the football. We're going to be, we're not just going to sit here and hand it to Chubb and let you put eight, nine guys in the box and load up on it. We'll, we'll throw it if we have to. And then that kind of will loosen it up a little bit. And then you start going to Chubb and hopefully he's got a hot hand and, um, you know, he's playing like he has been all season long and, and they can start, uh, you know, attacking him with the run game. But, you know, I think just being balanced, really, I think, you know, it's, you know, obviously everybody's going to try to take away Chubb. So you have to show them that you're willing to throw the football, throw it down the field, throw some play action, and just kind of keep them guessing. I will say, Tim, this is a statement, not a question. The last time they did that against New England, it didn't go well. They, I think no. they, they went out there and they probably went with that same plan. You know what? We not we just go attack earlier in the pass, and it just yes. was not good. So I, we'll see. We'll see. Tim, Miami does a lot of things really well. One thing they do not do well is force turnovers, though. So do you think with that in mind, I think they only have three forced turnovers all season. Yep. Numbers are astronomically low. Second, second to last, second in, the last in the league. Do you think Brissett and Stefanski can be a little more aggressive in the downfield passing game knowing Miami doesn't generate a lot of turnovers, or do you still think they'll take the cautious approach because at the end of the day, it is Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, you know, I think they'll be a little cautious with Jacoby. You know, I think that, uh, you know, they're not going to ask him to do something he doesn't feel comfortable with. You don't want to put him in. We've seen him in situations this year where he's tried to, you know, kind of he got a, kind of got out of his game a little bit, tried to force some throws down the field, and, and it didn't go well for him through, through some interceptions, some, some bad passes, was inaccurate at times. But when he stays within himself, when they ask him to do stuff that he's very, very comfortable with, I think he's looked really good. He's looked really accurate with the ball. And, um, you know, he can make some plays for you in the passing game. You know, this this guy's he's a pretty good player. And I've been, you know, like I said, been pretty impressed with him. So I, I would think that, you know, they're not going to ask him to do anything, like I said, to get too aggressive. But, uh, you know, just keep him in his comfort zone and, and uh, kind of what he's been doing all year. Yeah, it seems like Jacoby really has been two different guys, too. Just like we talked about the Browns defense. It, for the first three and a half quarters in most of the games, he's looked very, very good. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's where he's really looked bad is when they needed him to score late in the game. And Tim, with that in mind, the one thing you cannot do with Jacoby Brissett, in my opinion, is fall down by two scores. 
because right. then you take Nick Chubb off the field. You become one-dimensional. You put the ball in his hands. The focus of the defense is on him throwing it, and that has not ended well for this football team at all. I like your idea of coming out throwing because they're probably thinking like most teams when the Browns come in, they're going to see a heavy run dose with Nick Chubb. If they can throw it successfully and move the ball, how much does that help Nick Chubb when they do decide they want to run it? I think it helps him tremendously. You know, it keeps a little, you know, keeps those guys out of the box. It loosens up the defense a little bit. They have to, they have to stay honest. They can't just load up and say, well, the Browns are going to be one dimensional and, you know, certainly we can load up and, and take that away from them. So I think it helps Nick a lot. And, you know, to Jay, uh, to your point, talking about uh, Brissett late in games and those two minute uh, drill situations, or if you need it, you've got to have a touchdown. Those got to have it drives. You know, I think that's where we see the difference. You know, I think guys are backups in this league at the quarterback position for a reason. And then you got your elite starters, you know, your, your great players that you're paying all the money to. Those are the guys that can really step up and thrive in those situations. And Jacoby's just, he's just not that player. What he is is a game manager type of quarterback, and he's been really, really good at it so far this year. But when you ask him to get out of his comfort zone and you get in those situations where you say, go be great, he really can't elevate his game to that level. We've seen that time and time again this year. So hopefully they can, you know, like you said, stay ahead of the stay ahead of the game a little bit early. Don't get down 14 points. That would be a disastrous situation where you're forced to throw the football a lot. So they, they got to come out, take care of the football. Hopefully the defense plays as well as they did last week. And, and then you certainly got an opportunity in this one. Miami does have a knack of opening fast, though, which is a little bit of a concern for the Browns. Yeah. I got one non-football question for you, though, Tim. Browns coming off their bye week. Did you ever do anything crazy on one of your bye weeks when you were playing in the league? No, nothing crazy. You know, my, my bye weeks always consisted of trying to get healthy. You know, so I was always pretty banged <laughs> up. So I, I was pretty much living in the training room during a bye week and just uh, just relaxing, man. Those uh, those bye weeks always seemed like they came at a great time where your body was just like, man, I need a week off to get healthy mentally and physically. So I, I never really did anything crazy. I, I, not to what I remember, I don't remember any of our guys uh, re really, you know, doing too many crazy things. We didn't have any issues with uh, with our bye weeks. It's crazy. You talk about the timing of the bye week, and so often teams will hit a bye week. Like you said, your body needed the rest. just worked out where you got it. But I, when the season first started and the schedule came out, I looked at it and said, wow, that's perfect. You need that mental reset at the halfway point. So I loved it. But then they went out and they beat the Bengals, and I'm like, no, 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 let's get back. Let's play Thursday night. Let's get right, right back out on the field and keep that mojo going. How much... Is that a factor or is that something that fans built, you know, sort of bake into the cake that when you get that momentum going, the last thing you want to do is take a week off? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I think, you know, I think I felt that same way, too. They played such a good game against Cincinnati. You just want to get them back out on the field because they have that momentum rolling. And, you know, a bye week is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hit or miss. You know, honestly, some teams handle it way better. You see some teams come back fresher and with a renewed energy after their bye week and they're playing at an even higher level. And then other teams come out a little sluggish after a bye week. So I think it all depends on, you know, how the Browns staff has handled this and what guys are doing with their bodies in recovery and trying to get ready for this week. But but it is tough when you when you had such a great game going into a bye week. It, it does feel really good. You have that good taste in your mouth like, oh, man, we just played a great game. We won a divisional game, and now we got a week off. It feels really good as a player, but at the same time, you're like, I wish we could keep this momentum rolling a little bit. Yeah, it would be nice. We just showed the graphic there. Kevin Stefanski, 2-0 and during his yep. brief career as a head coach <clears throat> after the bye week. I think that certainly bodes well 
for what the uh, what the Browns are looking to do on Sunday. Tim, always great to see you. Have a great <clears throat> rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You bet, Tim it. Couch. Thanks. Uh, Anthony, you got some business to take care of there? I saw you were uh, raising no, your hand. No, I think Coach Tyvis is about to break down some plays for us. Yeah, he's been over there uh, diligently writing down his his play so, to start things. What play is this that so you this saw? Was, this was a play that I watched. I watched the New York Jets game uh, yesterday, and I came up with this play because it's very tricky. So I'm going to show you. I was going to do two plays, but then in the, making a quick adjustment, I want to give you this play versus cover three and cover one, seeing that that's Was what this the a Browns big did. play for the Jets against the it Dolphins? Was, it's, it's a tough cover is what it is. Okay. It's one of those plays that I've seen and said, this is going to be a problem for the Browns. Okay. So when you see this play, it's in 12 personnel. 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends. This is Waddle. This is Tyreek Hill. So we're going for the first. I'm going to do cover three for the beginning. So at the beginning of this play, he motions all the way over, and they snap it on the, on the run. Boom. He goes up over there. This is Waddle. Waddle is close, and he goes over this way. This is Isiki. He comes back this way. And then this is another tight end who goes and sits right here. So versus cover three, initially, you know, he'll be on him. As he motions over, this will be Genu. He'll move over to be on top of this guy. As he goes up, de- depending on how they talk this route out, he could tell him, hey, alert the over, and he could drop it. But if he doesn't do that, he's responsible for taking this over route. So for this, let's just say he takes it. He goes with it, right? He goes over that way. So this, he's taking Waddle. Yeah, he's going to go over with Waddle because it's Waddle and everybody. But fears he, he's Waddle. not following Waddle across the field. No, he's staying, yeah, he has to just carry stay. it and then he drops okay. it. So this is buzzer. This is a buzzer. He will be over here. This is a hook dropper, 10 to 12, hook dropper, 10 to 12, buzzer. Obviously, he's rolling with Tyreek Hill. So what makes this play so difficult is this. This is ran so deeply that these guys have to accommodate. So this hook dropper has to take Gasicki on this. This is his actual responsibility. This hook dropper right here, Will, has to take this Waddle, which is you're asking a linebacker to check Jalen Waddle. So now he's in a panic mode. That's a mismatch. He, he's gone. But remember, you still got this guy a little bit over the top, which if he's smart, he'll favor it a little bit to give him some body help. But the problem is now everybody's gone. So if you go back and watch this play against the Jets, guess where Tua went with the ball? Well, I would say this, to the left side. No, he went with this guy right here because nobody's there. He's gone. He's rolling. He's buzzing. He's buzzing. So right. this play got them 12 yards because everybody is gone because they're so fear they're so scared of the speed, which is what I was saying. The check down is actually going to get you a first down every time. They ran this play four or five times. Yeah, too. this is like one of their best plays, and like I said, it was against the Jets, so it was one of those things that we're going. Is to that see. something they break out on third and long? This was um, actually, I think it was a second down play. Yeah, first and second down play. But if it was effective, was it effective the majority of times? Yeah, because everybody it? took off. So the way that you can counter this is this. This is the only way that I can really see this thing working like this. So instead, at the beginning of this play, if he tells him, "Hey, alert the over." Right, I'm dropping this. Okay, so he drops this over to this wheel. He's gonna have to favor it over here. He then picks this one up right here. This corner picks this over up from this tight end. He does that. This wheel, this this mic is off the hook. He has no drop, so he can come back and now he can pick that up. 
Now is that on the like on the fly communication? Yeah, no, so pre-snap pre as, as he goes over, this guy's already reduced, so he should say, "Hey, alert the over." If he goes over, I'm dropping it. Boom! As the play goes, he goes, "Hey, over, over, over." As the play goes over, he drops it. This this wheel picks it up. He drops that. He picks this guy up right here because after you drop something as a corner, your eyes is to look to see what's coming back. As he sees this coming back, he will then have to call the mic off and say, "Hey, I got it. Drop it. I got it." Meaning he's gonna pick it up. This mic can then go to his thing and then look back and see that and make the play. That's literally one of the what only. What kind ways. of deep help is available on Tyreek if he decides to go <laughs> outside of the None. field? He, this so, is third. So, he, so, he's rolling. You better just go ahead. Well, that's my my fear just on go. that is. No. I, I know that's not the <laughs> maybe not the first option. Yeah. But if he isn't covered off the line, and I know it's a crossbody throw. Yeah. But. That's what I would be most no, afraid of. No, I wouldn't be worried about that because if this Denzel, Denzel. If is, it's Denzel, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> if it's not Listen, Denzel. Whoever it is, this is why you should you should play it deep to short because you have this buzzer here. This buzzer typically could be an inside piece or he could have you. So if he, say Tyreek Hill went up and then decided to do a comeback, this buzzer has nothing. So he should be able to play anything underneath. Right. So you should be just, I'm over the top, I'm deep. If he runs something short, we'll take that as a win. So is he 10, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage to start? This guy He's, is his, he is about eight yards off the off the tight end. You would think for most receivers that's enough cover. I don't feel comfortable. With the corner, any, is, the corner. Any, listen, you can't, it's not like the corner's pressing. I mean, I'm just saying he's covered. Tyreek, he's so, already off. So Tyreek, so and he's fast. got a running start. Yeah, just roll. Yeah. You just roll with it. You just take it. And it it's, it's not as hard as y'all think. Like I went up against Marquise Goodwin, who's a freaking Olympian. He's a freak. Yeah, just take off. Like, I know Marquise oh, well. Yeah, just, yeah, just take off. one of one though. Marquise Goodwin. This is, is an Olympian we talking about. He just take still off. If you stay over top, two is gonna look and be like, "Oh, it's not there." Boom. So that's the that's that. So now I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna run it again, and we're gonna do it in the man to man. We're gonna do it in. The what man. do you think the Browns are gonna predominantly play zone. on Sunday? Zone. They will play zone. Zone. Cause they, you want, they won't play Tyreek and zone everything else. They're gonna have to run man eventually because. Like I said, these routes is going to make them go into man because that's the only way the check downs is going to get covered because everybody's going to be so afraid. If you're two, you want man, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. But if you're in zone, that's why your pass rush has to come to life. That's why I keep telling y'all this is going to be a big game for Jadavion because in this, this guy chipped his DN, then ran the route. So he's going to be slow on it. But this guy got a free release. So Jadavion has to find a way to get home. And while you're, while you're drawing this next thing up, uh, PFF, I know we don't – we're not – in love with their grades, but Teron Armstead, their left tackle, 12th out of 78 graded. Their right tackle, Greg Little, 78th out of 78. So wow. if you're going to attack someone, the right tackle. Greg Little. Texas kid. He's the one to attack. Yeah. All right. So if this is man, this is how it would look. Because corners corners travel over a man-to-man. So you would. So he's following Tyreek. Yeah, you would, you would know from the snap if and, they in man because the corner's going to be over here. And a lot of times that's what they're looking for. Right. They want that yeah. intel. So this is how this will work. It's one or two ways, and they're going to have to talk about it. If Denzel got that assignment on Tyreek, and that this is Denzel, or if this is Denzel, he's going to roll with it. So let's just say that this is Denzel. So he, obviously, he's going to motion over with it. All right, boom. Already? That scares the crap out of me. Of a man. It, 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 that's why. A man that scares why, me, too. That's why nobody Because you're already behind. Man. You're <laughs> already behind. <laughs> exactly my point. This is why I don't really want to run man. 
So, boom, boom. Obviously, Jalen Wallace is going to take him. This safety's going to take him. And then this guy right here, this Sam's going to take him. So, it's covered. But the problem is now you're giving him, you got two fast guys running away from your coverage. And we know that that's hard to do. And if it's that's, a especially cover- with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. That's- and you only got one high guy. And- so, and he got to, who, who, if this is J3, who you want him to help? Waddle? If, or Tyree. Well, let's pick your poison. My here. point. But, but, but <laughs> I, I, I would, in this scenario, I would say I want Tyree help on Tyree. So you would want him to go over here. So this guy's just going to streak down the middle. It, it is six is one, <laughs> half dozen is the other. They can which burn you, you which they said, where is he most accurate at? Where is across on the, the left and in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's, man is really not a great option for this either. You would have to run that zone and have the corner drop. But this you know, I'm surprised if because this is a big part of their offense and this is a formation we see a lot. I'm surprised that Tua doesn't go to the right side more often. Yeah, me too. Because they're looking for isolation on that side, and Tyreek in most cases. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Unless the pass rush gets home quickly. Mm -hmm. In most cases, Tyreek is eventually going to become open. Yeah. And you would think that that would be stealing. That's candy. And that's why the pass rush has to, because you can't allow it. If Tyreek, any play, any given play, if Tua has a bunch of time, Tyreek's eventually going to get open. Yeah. It don't matter what call it is. You could call it a perfect coverage. You could have the best athletes, but that man runs so fast that it's hard to stay with him. I always tell my story about his rookie year was my rookie year, and my special teams coordinator said, I was on punt block. He said, Tyreek was at a, he was the PP. He was the guy that, you know, to go say, you know, to do, do all that. He said, Tyrus, you got that guy down the field, block him, but I'm going to let you know something. He's really fast. Like they say he legit runs four, one, four, two. So I'm like, like coach, like, Tyrus is like, I run a three, nine. No, I, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, coach. everybody <laughs> says that they run fast. They're like, Tyrus, I'm telling you, he's legit fast. Okay. So we get out there in the game. And boom, he shuffles out and he takes off running. Ran right past me, Jay. <laughs> I couldn't it's catch because it. Because he's at full acceleration. And yeah, it steps. was It was like, I was like, oh my goodness. So I come, he obviously, he goes down, he forces the fair catch. So I'm running to the sideline. My special teams coordinator standing there. I told there. you. I told you he was fast. <laughs> there's, there's fast and then there's Yeah, Tyree yeah, he's, he different. I, I I, I know that you looked at me like I had two heads when I said he's my MVP this year. Yeah. But and I know that Cooper Cup is no the Rams suck. He's, I'm not. I wouldn't even put Cooper Cup in. I mean, I would say what Jalen Hurts is doing is unbelievable. Yeah, too. I, I know because the most people always want to go to quarterbacks. But I the reason I I say that he's the MVP. Your MVP has to make people better. He does. And Tyreek definitively. Yeah. makes so, Waddle so, better, so, who was so, already good to begin with. So Tua didn't go six or seven of eight at the end of the year last year? 
Tua to me was average last year. Tua, was average, yeah. Tua won games last year. Tua did win games. <laughs> so how, he did it with the how much better? But remember Kirk, the Cousins seven and one though, and no one's saying he's an MVP candidate. <laughs> they're, they're winning games because to, and last year that Dolphins yeah. defense was insane. really good. It, yeah, it was. It was. They, I mean, when they, beat I'm not the saying it wasn't, but I'm saying they won games though. They did win games, <laughs> but I don't think they won because of Tua. I think they won with Tua. I have. To I think on. this year they're winning because of Tyreek Hill. I, I'm with you. Tyreek is a one-of-one one weapon in the NFL. He's Who the, else does what he does? He's the equivalent of Steph Curry on a basketball court, except on a football field, I, where the I entire defense has to, to shift over to – you like that, don't you? See, but you don't, you, you don't <laughs> make, make an NBA point. comparison. Because Tyreek's kind of – You would have been better if Steph said he's Giannis. He's Giannis. Well, he's not Giannis. One of one. But my point is with Tyreek, the entire defense – There is defense, nobody like that. Uh, Gronk was. Gronk was the Giannis of the NFL. No, he was not. Size wise, yeah, he's unstoppable. No, he was unstoppable. not. Unstoppable. I mean, right, whatever. Aaron a Donald is like a whole different conversation. Aaron, Aaron Donald is, is Giannis. Yes. If we're talking non quarterback. Aaron MVPs, Donald, and we, we saw him do it, can take Cooper over a Cup game. Last Any year game. Is a Giannis. Yeah. Just yeah. take But over I think Tyreek is that guy this year. I do. I, I would agree. And uh, Micah Parsons is the non quarterback MVP right now. If yeah. we're going to get down that path. I think that's but, fair. Um, we are going to reset before we get to the top of the hour. I want to remind people, I'm going to have you do this because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> we, I, 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 no, I don't. I don't. I have no idea. Um, there's, Jay there's, takes there's, one week off. There's some sort of description. <laughs> no, listen, I could have been here last week. I still wouldn't know what the hell I'm talking about on this. There are not, we now offer subscriptions here at the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. I, I, fact, I know it's part of a club. Yes. You're part of a club. I know that the club has benefits. Yes. I don't fact. truly understand all of it. It's a, for buck ninety nine a month. I mean, that's, that's 24 seems, bucks a year. You get to use all the custom emojis. You what does that, that mean? Custom emojis. So in the YouTube chat, you see those four right there. There's yes. 12 now. So there's eight more that are not featured. We have Tyvis. We have oh, I got Happy one. J. Tyvis is in there. We have Happy Polk in there. We have. Do we have that some BS from Brad Sellers? That, that comes at a, we, that, that gets that. unlocked at a certain number of uh, a certain number of <laughs> okay. members. So and that's what the that, that allows you to then post those in our chat. In our chat, and it's a little flex oh, on see. everyone else. I like, see. yeah, you know, I'm I'm part of the Cool Kids Club. Uh, and then coaches <laughs> tiers for 4.99 a month, which is just 60 bucks for the year. And we do an overtime segment after every show. Jay, you did your first one yesterday. Yeah, that's right. And it's a 10, 15-minute little, you know, it's going to be some days. That's exclusive content. Off topic. And that's a bad job out of you, Mike. (laughs) I mean, the point of it being being $4.99 and not $5, (laughs) so you can stay under $60 a year, not $60 a year. Well, it's, I don't know. Do taxes count on this? He makes a very good point. Actually. No, I don't think it's taxed. Then it's under no, no, sixty taxed. bucks a year. How about that? There you go. Under for under sixty bucks a year, yes. you could be in the coaches the coaches tier. Uh, yeah, and the overtime content's anything from yesterday. We made a presidential ballot. To we talked Kyrie Irving last week. Today we're going to do a segment that we did the presidential ballot yesterday. I thought that was fun. That's good, yeah. available only on our coach tier yeah. um, exclusive content. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.